Hey, good morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this Tuesday edition of our Journey Through Scripture podcast. We're certainly glad that you have joined us today. My name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas, and uh, we are continuing our, our journey through Scripture. Uh, we're going in chronological order, um, and we are now into the the, the transition officially from the time of the judges to the time of the king. So we are in 1 Samuel. Today we are going to go through 1 Samuel chapter 8 through 12. So chapters 8 through 12 today. So if you want to take a moment and read those and then come join us. All right. Well, last week we, uh, we ended, chapter 7 ended uh, with Samuel becoming the, the judge and the priest um, over, over Israel. Um, he served that role. Samuel was very God-fearing. He, he loved the Lord. He was faithful to God. And the people also responded very well to Samuel as well. Um, they, they did show a lot of respect for Samuel. Um, and so Samuel 8, though, starts off. Uh, and, and what we see is we see, if you remember, um, the priest Eli, who Samuel, uh, learned from and kind of, uh, was, was under, um, he had major problems with his sons, uh, that, that, which is why the people were very, uh, very nervous, uh, you know, with, with his sons. Uh, and now Samuel also has, uh, issues with his son. It says, um, the name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second, uh, Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in the ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes and perverted justice. Kind of sounds familiar, right? <laughs> because that's, that is the default human nature, unfortunately, is especially when people get into positions of power, uh, the, the default is that you will pursue dishonest gain, that you will be willing to take bribes and pervert justice if it's all about you. Um, that's why it has to be a choice to follow God and to submit to his authority. Uh, and, and that gives us the strength and the motivation, if you will, to go against um, what our human selfishness. But Samuel's sons did not reflect that. Um, and, and Samuel, uh, is talking with the leaders and the leaders of the nation of Israel said, um, we don't want your sons coming up after you. And they said, we want a king. And specifically they said, now make us a king to judge us like the other nations. So part of this was Samuel's sons. They didn't see a good secession, uh, if you will. They were worried about uh, who the next judge would be, which they shouldn't have been, right? God always provided uh, a judge for them uh, when, when needed. Uh, but they, they wanted to know. They wanted to, to know w- what the future was going to hold. They kind of wanted it planned out. And from their eyes, it did not look good. And so they asked for a king. And this is probably one of the most pivotal points, uh, in, in all of, uh, Old Testament history, you know, especially dealing with the nation of Israel, uh, because it, it makes that swing from a nation ruled by the judges and the priest to a nation that is going to be ruled by a king. And, uh, and we've seen that tension, um, you know, and, and kind of trying to battle and, and be something very different from what that culture was. Um, but now we are going to see the, the full transformation to what all the other nations, uh, were like and 
unfortunately, what the people desired. And so uh, you read through chapter uh, 8, um, Samuel is very grieved by this. He brings that to the Lord, and, and the Lord said to Samuel, uh, Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Uh, according to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, uh, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now heed their voice, however you so uh, forewarn them to show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. Right? So, so God is, uh, makes clear what's going on. This, this is a big decision for the people. They are basically saying, we, we don't want God to reign over us. Uh, we want our system to reflect what other people's systems look like. Uh, we're, we, we, we don't like this system where we can't see God. We, we rely on a different way of, uh, of, of relating to him, and we don't think that that is going to work for us anymore. And so then Samuel goes to the people and he starts telling them all the things that a king will do. Um, and it's typical stuff. It's very similar to what any government structure is going to do. Um, the government structure is going to require and force certain things from the people um, in order to, uh, in the best case scenario, protect and provide for the people, right? But that usually moves over into not being the best case scenario because people are people. And the more, more power given to one person, uh, the, the worse that, the, the worse that can be. And so we get to the end and, uh, I thought this was really interesting. Samuel says in uh, verse 17, he will take a tenth of your sheep. He will be, and, and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves, and the Lord will not hear you in that day. I thought that was interesting that you will be his servants. You know, see, the, the reality is, is we're all going to be the servant of someone else. There's always going to be something or someone more powerful. Um, we have to choose who we want to be servants to. <laughs> and, and, uh, the, the people, they, didn't want to be servants of God anymore, and they thought it would be better to have a king. Nope, because you're just going to be a servant to a earthly king. Um, and that can sometimes be okay, but many times goes the wrong direction. And God knew that. God was warning them uh, of that. And the people's response, after hearing all of this, uh, they said, uh, no, but we will uh, have a king over us that we also may be like all the other nations. Right? That's the first reason. They wanted to be like everyone else. Right? And, and isn't that typical? That we always see what other people have, and, and, uh, and there's parts of it that seems good, and we, all we do is we focus on the good that we see. We don't think about the negatives, right? Uh, you, you see this all the time with people in the, in the job searching world, right? Of, you know, get frustrated with their own job and their legitimate reasons, right? There's th things. And then you see, you look at another employer and, oh, the grass just looks so green over there. It looks like, oh, look, look at how much vacation time they have. Look at all of these things. And some of those may be true. And then you get there and you realize, oh, there's a lot of problems here too. Maybe they're just different problems. Um, but making a decision just because 
we want to do and look like other people uh, is never a good starting point for to make a decision and and but that's what the people are they say we want to be like all other nations so that's problem number one and that is a problem but then it says and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles that that to me is the the one that is uh, if you're if you're god (laughs) that is the most offensive right they they want a king to go out and fight their battles. They want the king to go and to represent them. They're, they don't want to do it themselves. They're too busy. We'll just have someone else do that. There's kind of this inherent uh, uh, they lack of responsibility. We don't want the responsibility. We want the king to do it, and we want the king to take care of us. We want the king to take uh, fight our battles. Uh, we don't want to have to worry about anything just take care of me. That That is a, a part of human nature, uh, but it is not a good part. Um, the, we, we should not want others to go and fight our battles for us. God equips us to engage and to, to deal with the challenges in our own lives. Um, and, and you're seeing this group of people, they think that, hey, if we just get the right king and uh, power. He'll take care of all the problems. We won't have to worry about it. And th- I think that that does speak uh, to us today. And there's a lot of truths that we can learn from that um, and how careful, because we are all, um, we are going to submit to a higher authority, um, all of us. Um, and it's, are you going to choose to submit to the higher authority who created you? Uh, or are you going to create your own higher authority, um, whether that's government, uh, whether that's even relying solely on yourself? Um, but we have to be careful for that because that is not the way that God desires for things to work. He is, he is to be the king and ruler in our life, uh, that, that we submit to him and to him alone. And so that leads us into the choosing of the first king. And so we have uh, Saul is chosen to be king. I encourage you to read through this. Uh, I, I love this. Saul is, uh, is, is chosen. He was very handsome, uh, more handsome than anyone else in all of Israel. That, that's typical uh, kind of uh, narrative language. Uh, you know, he's just the, the, the most handsome person, and he was taller than anyone. He was physically imposing. Right? But I love the fact that the story starts out and is revolved around the donkeys of Kish. <laughs> Kish is Saul's dad, and the donkeys have gotten out, and Saul is going after the donkeys of Kish. And and he he goes uh, into the, this one uh, area uh, where Samuel happens to be as well, and uh, uh, Saul is going to go talk to the seer or the prophet, and he he wants to to kind of hear what the prophet has to say about his life. Um, and God had spoken to Samuel saying, you are going to meet uh, a, a man uh, and, uh, and go and, and look for him. And so Saul meets Samuel. It feels like it's a, a coincidental meeting, but it's obviously not. And, uh, and so Samuel realizes who this is and that uh, this is a, a, from the tribe of Benjamin. Um, Saul, there's an interesting 
interaction there in chapter 9, verse 21, Saul answers, says, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel and my family the least of all the families of the tribes of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? Right? So Saul is kind of like, are you sure? I, I'm just a, just from a small tribe. He, he wasn't from the biggest tribe or the strongest tribe. In fact, he was from the smallest tribe and, and in many ways the weakest tribe. But yet, that's who God was going to choose to be king. So in chapter 10, Saul is uh, anointed as king. Uh, the donkeys were found, by the way, the donkeys of Kish. So thankfully that they, they were found. Um, and, and then you kind of have this interesting thing where uh, Saul runs into uh, some prophets and he uh, is uh, filled with the, what we would say is the Holy Spirit, uh, right? And he begins prophesying. Um, and it's kind of an interesting play and in, in, in uh, verse 9 of chapter 10 says, So it was when he had turned his back to go from Samuel that God gave him another heart, and all of these signs came to pass that day. So, so Saul is chosen by God, but Saul is, is kind of flawed from the beginning. Uh, we, you know, we, don't, we don't necessarily see that, that he has always been a, a strong, faithful person. In fact, the way that he is described is uh, that he is uh, taller than everyone and he is more handsome. Um, so was he qualified for the job? Maybe yes, um, but in, in some ways, no. And uh, so then Saul is then proclaimed king. Um, I want to read what Samuel says. Uh, it says, thus says the Lord God of Israel. This is in uh, verse uh, 18 of chapter 10. I brought you out of it. Egypt delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians, from the hand of the kingdoms, and from those who oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God, who himself saved you from all your adversaries and your tribulations. And you have said to him, No, set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your clans. All right? So Samuel is reminding the people, Hey, God has been the one that has... Uh, helped you through your adversities and your tribulations. Now you're wanting someone else to do that. That That is not a good choice. And we make that choice all the time, right? Where we rely on other things other than God to, to help us through the difficulties of life. But that doesn't mean that God is rejecting them. Doesn't mean that God is going to completely turn his back on them, but there are going to be negative consequences to this. Uh, at the um, and so Saul comes out, um, and they, all the people say, long live the king. I, I love, <laughs> love that line. It's right out of a, a King Arthur tale. Um, but even there at the end, very end of chapter 10, you have uh, some people were a little dismayed. How can this man save us? So they despised him. They brought him no presents, right? So, you know, this isn't the whole nation. There's a lot of people that are probably sitting back going, hey, what are we doing? Why are we making this choice? Why are we choosing to go against God and to, to follow uh, man? Um, but unfortunately, the powers that be, the, the uh, decision was made. And so now you have uh, chapter 11, which talks about how Saul uh, goes up and, uh, and uh, rescues a group of people, um, and that kind of gives him credibility, so he defeats the Philistines. Um, and then uh, and, and it's interesting what he says. He says, 
I love this. This is just one of those cultural things. Verse 6 of chapter 11. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. Uh, so he took a yoke of oxen and cut them into pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of his messenger, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. So using uh, this very interesting way of cutting up an oxen into different pieces and sending that out as a, as a rallying point that, hey, it is time for us to come together, stand up against uh, the em- uh, enemy, which in this ca- case, it was the Ammonites, not the Philistines. Um, but uh, so uh, Saul does go and, and uh, save the people of Gilead. And uh, at the verse 14, it says, Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. Now remember, Gilgal was where they were, they were right before they crossed over into the promised land the first time. And so that's an interesting terminology. They're renewing the kingdom. It is kind of a, a new uh, a, a totally new time. Uh, they're going with a monarchy rather than what God had desired. Uh, and so the nation was beginning a new road. And then we have uh, chapter 12. Um, I want to read just a couple of things because Samuel never, never really lets the people off the hook. And he is constantly reminding them of the horrible decision that they have made. Um, and in verse 13, starting in verse 13 of chapter 12, it says, Now therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against his commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Right? Uh, I, and, and then he, he reminds them of their wickedness, of the decision that they have just made. Um, but this is interesting because he's saying, listen, now you have a king. And But the reality is, is you better just follow the commandments like you were supposed to do before. Now, here's the, the problem is, is that now you have a king over you. And if that king follows the commandments, it's going to be okay for you. But if that king doesn't follow the commandments, it's going to be really bad for you, whether you're following the commandments or not. Right, and and that is kind of at the heart of what's going on here. They have relinquished their authority and relinquished power from God and given it into the hands of a uh, sinful human. And I don't care who that sinful human is; it all of us are sinful. And and whenever you put that kind of power uh, in one person's hand, it's will cause problems. And uh, uh, verse 20 says, Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness. <laughs> this, is, this is vital and important. Do not fear. You have done all this wickedness. Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. All right? So even though you've screwed up, even though you've been wicked, continue to serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside, for then you would go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver, for, uh, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. Verse 24, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. You know, 
That tells us so much about God. God is going to call out our wickedness. He's going to call us out whenever we pursue sinful desires and live that way, and there will be consequences to it. But he implores us to turn back to him. Don't use the fact that we have fallen, that we have messed up, that we have rebelled against him as an excuse just to continue to follow the world's way. He says, no, turn back to him, serve him, uh, serve him in truth with all your heart, right? So even after we have fallen away, even after we have committed wickedness, God still desires for us to follow him. And that's important for all of us to remember, and I hope something that you will take to heart, no matter where you've been or what you have done, that God desires for you to turn your heart towards him, begin serving him, and get out of the path of going the world's way that leads to emptiness uh, and bitterness. I hope that uh, you have a good start to the week, and we will be back here on Thursday. We'll be going through... Uh, 13 through 16 and Psalm 23. So 1 Samuel 13 through 16 and Psalm 23. All right, see you on Thursday.